0: Hello, and thank you for joining me on According to John. Today we're going to be talking about riots in the Bible. I have had several questions asking me, is there riots in the Bible? Does the Bible talk about having any riots? Well, it does. And so, West. that is what we're going to discuss on today's episode of According to John. And I am your host, John Westfall. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get to it. So the most famous riot in the Bible, I mean, there's there several in there, but we're going to talk about the most famous one here in a second. But most riots, they begin with an instigator, uh, someone with an agenda, an idea, a thought, and they're going to get it across. Um, riots may appear to be spontaneous, but the reality is uh, they're not. They're not, they're not uh, spontaneous. Um, if you investigate and you look at riots and you pay close attention, what you'll find is it actually uh, reveals the people behind the scenes that are stirring up passions of the crowd. And uh, those who expect to benefit from a riot, they'll use inflammatory speech, they use exaggerated uh, uh, details, and the cooperation of, of a few colleagues that will help them get it, make it happen. And then all of a sudden, it seems spontaneous, but the reality is it, this is set up. And so uh, uh, those who incite riots today, listen, they use the same tactics that they used uh, back during uh, the times in the Bible with the scribes and the Pharisees that they used in Jesus' day. People do the same today. And so uh, people get caught up, and most people don't even realize they're being used uh, to accomplish someone's goal. And uh, the first thing that we need to realize – according to the Bible, is that uh, rioting is a form of lawlessness. And lawlessness is a sin. We find that in 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who commits sin also breaks the law. Sin is the breaking of law. And so even if the rioters are, are seeking to advance a just cause, they're usually going about it in a sinful way. Uh, usually they're destroying innocent people's property, innocent people's lives. It's, it's just a bad deal all the way around. And so what we find is that uh, someone of, of lawlessness or to be uh, lawless, they consider themselves an exception to the law. And then they act as if there is no law. And usually the lawless think, uh, that, the, that the rules don't apply to them, that they're an exception to the rules. They just become a law to, unto themselves. Normally law-abiding, law-abiding citizens, uh, they will uh, become inflamed and uh, with uh, fury and self-righteousness, and then they decide that their cause is worth breaking uh, the law, whether it's the legal law, moral, ethical laws, as long as they feel their cause is strong enough then they, they disregard any sense of, of what's good and, uh, and right. And so uh, usually, rioting is uh, someone has stirred up anger within them, and then they're motivated by vengeance. And James 1.20 says, For man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. And so when we're angry, It doesn't help anybody, it doesn't accomplish God's righteousness, and usually it doesn't end well. You know, the Bible tells us to be angry and do not sin, and what does that look like, to be angry but not sin? Uh, We can be angry, but if we're angry because we're not getting what we think we want or what we think is right, and we're angry and we act out on that, that's sinful, But if we're angry because someone's breaking the law or we're angry because someone's violating righteousness, then it's okay to be angry, and that's what the Bible's referencing. We can have righteous anger. What we can't have is selfish anger. And so those who allow themselves to be controlled by anger, they become foolish participants of uh, ungodly riots. Is generally where it ends up, and it's never good. Uh, so the Bible mentions a few riots, and none of them are, are favorably. The Bible, uh, uh, Paul, who was a victim of many riots uh, on several occasions. Uh, he talks about it in 2 Corinthians 6:5, uh, by beatings, by imprisonments, by riots, labors, sleepless nights, times of hunger. Uh, we also find in Acts chapter 17:5, but the Jews became jealous and they brought together some scoundrels from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city attacking Jason's house. They searched for them to bring them out to the public assembly. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here too, and Jason has received them as guests. And so because Jason seemed to be a part of them, it was okay to punish Jason, pull him out of his house. Uh, and these rioters uh, obviously want to fulfill uh, their, their evil heart or their evil intentions uh, upon innocent men. In each case, jealousy and deception were at the heart of every riot. Uh, it was hate-filled agenda from the instigators. And as we investigate it, you find um, that is usually the case for most of the time most rioters and, and this is really interesting what the the bible says in acts uh, nineteen thirty two, it says uh, meanwhile some were shouting one thing and some another now these were those who gathered together to go against jason because they were looking for paul and the others who were preaching the gospel and it says this meanwhile some were shouting one thing and some another because the assembly was in confusion and most of them did not know why they had come together. I really find it interesting that here we have this mob who is angry. They are are overreaching, breaking the law, hurting people. And the Bible says most of them in this case didn't even know why they came together. And so that brings us to the most famous riot in the Bible. And that riot happened before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was the, the Roman governor, and uh, he was serving under the Emperor Tiberius. Uh, he he kind of got set up. It, it, if you go back and you, you read the Gospels and you see what's going on, you find out that Pilate, uh, he was put in a position. The reality is he could have made some really good decisions here, and instead he compromised and he, his goal was to please the crowd rather than to uphold the law. I don't know. Sometimes I, I think I see that today, and it's really disheartening when you see it happening, uh, but you find that nothing's new under the sun. And uh, we read that in Ecclesiastes. Nothing new under the sun and what happened uh, back in the time of Jesus still happens today. There is nothing new. And so outside of the four Gospels, we really don't hear any more about Pilate, Pontius Pilate, and what he did uh, unless you go to some history books. I talked about this in one of my other podcasts that I know people are like, well, you can't believe the Bible. Well, so read this in some history books. Can't deny history books, right? Uh, Tacitus, he was the uh, first and early uh, Second-century Roman historian, we find history written by Philo. We find it written by Josephus, and so if you go back and you read or discover those historian bo- or history books written by those historians, you'll find that they confirm what the Bible says. And so, uh, Pilate is mentioned uh, again solely in connection with the trials and crucifixion of Jesus, and what we're going to discuss today. Was the riot that happened during the crucifixion of Christ? One of the interesting things about Pilate, though, is he was trying. Okay, I I, w- I want to give him credit here because Matthew, Mark, and Luke they they portray Pilate as reluctant to crucify Jesus. Uh, as a matter of fact, in Luke 23:14, Pilate says that the charges against Jesus were baseless. It says here in, in uh, Luke twenty three thirteen, it says, Pilate called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people and said to them, you have brought me this man as one who subverts the people. But in fact, after examining him in your presence, I have found no grounds to charge this man with those things you've accused him of. Verse 15, he goes on and he says, neither has Herod because Herod sent him back to us. Clearly, he has done nothing to deserve death. So so Pilate has already made it very clear. Listen, Jesus is innocent. And and you want to kill him, but I don't see any reason for it. Now, in any court of law, uh especially Pilate, the the governor if you will, he could easily have pardoned Jesus. But instead of pardoning him, he wants to please the crowd. And and Man, it's politics, right? Politics are everywhere, and, and to be truthful, sometimes politics are uh, just absolutely disgusting. Well, in Luke 23: 20 through25, it goes on, where, where Pilate is literally trying to let Jesus go." It says here in 20, Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. Who is them? Uh, The scribes, the Pharisees, and the the chief priest, and the crowd. Everybody. It's everybody that's there, everybody involved. Pilate is trying to uh, uh, talk sense to them, and he wants to release Jesus. Verse 20. But they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. Verse 22. Pilate a third time said to them, why? What has this man done wrong. He goes on, I have found in him no grounds for the penalty of, uh, of death. Therefore, I will have him whipped and then release him. He's trying to compromise going, okay, listen, how about if I just whip him, even though he's done nothing wrong? How about I just whip him? Would you be satisfied with that? And then we'll release him. No, no need to kill him. Verse 23. But they kept up the pressure, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the scriptures say, and their voices, the crowd's voices, won out. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. The governor, instead of upholding the law, he he already made it clear Jesus is innocent the crowd rioting and, and, and being obnoxious in every sense causes Pilate to surrender to them. So we can go, okay, you know what, Pilate? for three times he tried and, and it failed, and so now he's gonna give in to their demands. But what I find really interesting is even his wife, Pilot's wife, she had been having dreams. And so she sends him this urgent message and then Uh, Matthew 27 19 says, while he Pilate, was sitting on the judge's bench, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man. For today, I have suffered terribly in a dream because of him. She's like, listen, I have been literally, if you look up in the Greek, the word suffered literally means I have been tortured. I have been tortured by nightmares This man is righteous, and you need to let him go. You have nothing to do with him, because she realizes that this is going to bring a curse on them. I mean, okay, Jesus, the Son of God, to kill him is going to be bad. To kill anybody innocent, let alone the Son of God. And she says, listen, this man is righteous, and you need to let him go. These dreams, these nightmares have been tormenting her. And she's trying to help her husband. You know, sometimes guys, we need <laughs> listen. Sometimes we need to listen to our wives. Sometimes they, you know, God gave us we, our wives to be a help meet, a help mate, uh, that to to balance us out when we sometimes uh, can't think straight. And then uh, the wife will come along and help balance us out. And sometimes we are to help the wife out when. Uh, she's not thinking right. So, so it, it really balances each other out. She sends him this letter and says, leave him alone, man. He is a righteous man, and you're gonna, it's going to bring a curse on us. Well, Pilate, uh, he thinks different. In the meantime, we read in the book of John where Pilate and Jesus are having a conversation. Pilate asks this question we find it in John 18:33. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus and said to him, "Are you the king of the Jews?" Jesus answered, "Are you asking this on your own or have others told you about me?" "I'm not a Jew, am I?" Pilate replied. "Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done?" Jesus responded in verse 36. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. As it is, my kingdom does not have its origin here. You are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I am a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this. I have come into the world for this to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate asks that famous question, what is truth? Well, in John 14, 6, we find out what truth is because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, or no one gets to heaven except through me is what Jesus says. And so we know that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Uh, Jesus is the truth. I mean, if if we're going to know any truth, it's going to be through Christ. And then he says, uh, and I am the life. And what he means by I am the life is literally I am uh, eternal life. And if you believe in me, then you will have eternal life. If you do not believe in me, you won't have eternal life. It's very clear. And I know sometimes people don't want to hear that. Uh, They want to go, well, you know, Jesus isn't the only way. Okay, well, where did you get your idea at? Where do you find that Jesus is not the only way? And who are you to determine what truth is? I talk to people and they, well, if, you're ju- if you just be good, that'll get you to heaven. Well, well, here's a great question for you. If being good gets you to heaven, by whose standard? Because if you ask a hundred different people what good is, you're gonna, you very well may get a hundred different answers. And even if you don't get 100 different answers, you'll probably get 50 different answers, and so now it's a 50-50. Who's right? Who's wrong? And how good do we have to be to get to heaven? Like, when do we cross the line and go, whoo, I made it, I'm in, God's good, is yes. Like, where is that line? So people say, well, I'm good. I haven't murdered anyone. Well, technically that's not true because Our sin killed Jesus. He died for us, and and, and he had to die to cover our sins. So technically, every one of us are murderers. And then people say, well, I'm good. How dare you call me bad? Well, I didn't call you bad. I said the Bible says that none are good, no, not one. But here's an interesting question for you. If you think you're good, answer this question. If there's no law, if there was nothing to hold you accountable, what would you do? Right now, if you did it, it would violate the law. But we're going to take the law away. What would you do? Well, most people wouldn't do real well. And so, therefore, you're not good deep in your heart. Because if we realize that we can get away with something, 99.999% of the time, We're going to try and get away with it. And so then it comes down to, are you really good? If in your heart of hearts, you're going to lie, you're going to steal, you're going to hurt someone. Some way, somehow, not keep the Ten Commandments. And so because you've already violated one of those Ten Commandments somewhere along the line, you, me, and every human being, that means we're not perfect. And since we're not perfect, that means we have sinned. And because we have sinned, we need a savior. And so Jesus Christ came to die for your sin and mine so that we could get to heaven if we believe on him. And so here we have Pontius Pilate, and he asked a question, what is truth? If you have the governor confused on what truth is, how is he going to serve justice? And here you have a human judge confused about the truth and he was about to condemn the right to righteous judge of the world see none of us are good at every level we're bad and Pilate asked the question what is truth even if we go on a basic level he understood that truth was you don't convict and condemn an innocent man There's truth. I mean, even if he started there, that would be a good place to start. And what does he do? He goes under pressure, and he convicts and condemns an innocent man. Once again, showing peer pressure will bring us down. So how good are we? Or people will say they'll tell a little white lie. Well, tell me the difference between a white lie and a black lie except for we call it a white lie because that helps us to feel a little bit better about lying. The reality is a lie is a lie. And yet we will lie and then say, well, I didn't have a a choice. Well, just like Pilate had a choice, we have a choice. We will lie to protect ourselves and we'll say it's to protect someone else, but we lie to protect ourselves so that we don't go under pressure from the other person or we don't make ourselves look bad or we don't feel bad because of the pressure someone else will put on us. We can all tell the truth. We only lie to save our behindies. That's, that's what it comes down to. And so as, as we go through this, Pilate compromises. Many of those in the crowd, uh, they had seen Jesus. Uh, they heard his teachings in a synagogue. Many of them were in awe of his teachings, saying, who is this that's teaching this? I mean, it, this isn't your average man. This is something special. And many had even been healed by Jesus, healed of blindness, deafness, leprosy, uh, raised from the dead, a multitude of things. And yet, under the influence of impassioned leaders that didn't like Jesus or had an agenda, under the influence of those, they quickly turned against Jesus. They turn against him. After he's done nothing but good for them, but because someone uh, said something that they went, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then it enrages them, and they go out. And most of them don't even know what they're fighting for or why. They, listen, they don't even have an idea. They don't even know the truth of it. They just think that whatever story someone told them, they went, oh, well, that's not right. And they're flared up, and they're ready to fight, and they've missed even investigating the truth or acknowledging the truth that they know, they won't. They don't even do that. Hey, wait a minute! Jesus healed people. He never broke the law. Pilate said to that I didn't find no guilt in him. Uh, he he healed my relatives. He brought one of my relatives back to life. He, I mean, he fill in the blank. Instead of looking at Jesus and his resume, they believed someone else's lie. It inflames them and they riot. Crucify him! Well, what did he do, What has he done wrong? Does doesn't matter crucify him that's where so many end up and it's sad if we're not careful um, that we believe the lies of others and discredit someone who has an incredible reputation these impassioned leaders flare them up again The, the, the crowd gets crazy they cry out crucify him they turn against Jesus even though nobody nobody has found any guilt in this man at all and they're already every one of them are ready to hang him. Now here's here's a crazy thing. Just a few days prior to this riot that they're having to crucify Jesus, they're singing out to him. The Passover, remember they they put down the 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 branches and and they're 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 here in in mark 11 9 and 10 then those who went ahead and those who followed kept shouting hosanna hosanna he who comes in the name of the lord is the blessed one they're talking about jesus here verse 10 the, the coming kingdom of our father david is blessed Hosanna in the highest heaven. They're worshiping Jesus literally just a couple of days prior to screaming out, crucify him, crucify him. And yet, there's, he's done nothing wrong. The governor says he's done nothing wrong. They know he's done nothing wrong and they're going to riot and kill him. People want justice for what? They don't, they don't even know what they're killing this man over. Knowing that Jesus had been handed over uh, to Pilate by religious leaders out of envy, because G- listen, Jesus was calling them out. Listen, they were stealing money, they were uh, uh, lying, they had inappropriate ministries, and Jesus was showing their hand, and that people were seeing the truth, and and these these. Uh, Pharisees, which were the religious leaders of the day, they're losing a lot of money, and so they're going, hey, you know what, we got to kill this guy, because if we don't kill him, we're going to go broke. We're not going to get the millions and millions that we want. And It might not have been millions back then, but you get the idea. It would be millions today. At this time, back in this day, they would have, uh, of the the criminals they had, the governor would offer one up. So Pilate thinks, hey, okay, listen, here's what we're going to do. We have Barabbas, who is a murderer. Make no mistake about it. He is a murderer, clear. Everyone knows it. He's a thief. He's a murderer. He's ungodly, uh, bad for society. And he says, hey, listen, which criminal should I let go? Hoping that they would say, well, Jesus has already been proven innocent, so let Jesus go and and, and hang Barabbas because we know he's a murderer. And instead the leaders get involved because they're like, oh, wait a minute, we can't have the governor tricking the people or talking sense into the people. And so the leaders convinced the crowd to cry out for Barabbas. Verse 20, the chief priest and the elders, however, persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. The governor asked them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, they all answered. Pilate asked them, what should I do then with Jesus, who is called Messiah? They all answered, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate says, why, what has he done wrong? But they kept shouting, crucify him all the more. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting. Instead, he took some water, washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. The reality is he's not innocent of this man's blood because he had the power to let an innocent man go. He was the man to make the decision. He didn't Wash his hands and, listen, just because you say I'm innocent of the blood, when you had the power to control the outcome, you're not innocent. Verse 25, and this is the insanity of people who are angered, not thinking straight, have lost all sense of reality. This is what they did. They they literally cursed them and the next generation. Verse 25, all the people answered. His blood be on us. They didn't stop there. And on our children. Are, are you so full of hate that you're even going to curse your children who are innocent, and have nothing to do with this? This is the insanity that people, when they have been persuaded, pushed, lied to I don't even know, they're willing to curse their children. Verse 26. Then he, Pilate, Pontius Pilate, released Barabbas to them. Uh, After having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. He he gave in to the people. The law, the man who, who already admitted more than three times, he is innocent, I find no guilt in him. He is innocent, I find no guilt in him. The crowd says, kill him, kill him, kill him. And Pilate gives in to the crowd, gives in to the political pressure and authorizes the flogging and the crucifixion of Jesus, Mark 15, 15. Then, willing to gratify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. Willing to gratify the crowd, he's not innocent. Nobody that takes innocent life, destroys property, destroys the lives of the innocent, nobody that does that is innocent. And so we see that not only does Pilate convict Jesus, innocent Jesus, to satisfy the crowd, willingly gave them over, him over to the crowd, Then, in Matthew 27, 37, Pilate tells the people to write the charge on a board and put it over Jesus' head on the cross. So everyone knows what he's guilty of. And this is what he put on the board. Matthew 27, 37. Above his head, Jesus' head, They put up the charge against him in writing. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. That's his charge, being king of the Jews, who healed them from diseases, brought them back to life, who did nothing but bless them, the Jews. They wanted him dead, and Pilate said, here's his guilty charge. The king of the Jews. Pilate's brief appearance in Scripture, even though it's full of tragedy, and it's full of tragedy, Pilate's life, his, his legacy, if you will, this is it. He ignored his conscience. He knew what was right and chose wrong. He disregarded the plea of his wife. Let that man go. No, that's not what she said. She said, let that righteous man go. Have nothing to do with him. I've been tormented in dreams. Literally, God was trying to tell Pilate, do what's right. And Pilate, under the pressure of people, did the unthinkable and had an innocent man killed. And in every sense of the word, that's murder. He chose political expediency over public rectitude. And he failed to recognize the truth even when the truth was standing in front of him. What a tragedy. Pilate had all the control and yet exercised zero righteousness. It'd be interesting to know how many of those uh, who demanded the death of Jesus? Later regretted it. You know, I mean, how many people have have come out into these riots that we have today, and then get home and regret it when they realize, oh my goodness, I just destroyed an innocent person's business. I just ruined an innocent person's life. Well. In Luke 23, 47, we have an idea of at least one person's heart that was changed. And it starts in twenty three forty six, uh, the book of Luke. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had happened, he began to glorify God, saying this man really was righteous what happened was the clouds darkened the wind kicked up it got their attention verse 48 so not only did the centurion glorify god begin to glorify god saying this man was really righteous verse 48 all the crowds that had gathered for the spectacle when they saw what had taken place went home striking their chests They realized what a foolish thing they had done. But people that do things in haste through anger and and this this made-up hate ruin lives. And it isn't until all the dust settles and, and, and the anger gets under control and the emotions get under control and somebody actually stops and thinks just for a minute. They realize what they have done. So I have a question. When we are given an opportunity to evaluate the claims of Jesus, what will we decide? When truth is staring you in the face, when someone comes and tells you and shares with you truth, what will you do with it? Will we accept the claim of Jesus that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Or will we follow the voice of the crowd? Will we allow the ignorance of others to dictate our righteousness? Will we allow the anger and the hate of others to dictate our righteousness? Or will we say, I'll have no part of this. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to follow Christ. The least... I'm, I'm going to keep the law. I'm not going to break the law. What will we do? Well, I thank you for joining me today on According to John, and I hope you click, follow, like, do whatever it is that we're supposed to do so that I get followers and we can keep this program on the air. And so until the next time on According to John, God bless.